Okay, go for it. I just breathed in water. <laughs> <coughs> I can't drink water. This is established. I don't know how. I never learned how to drink water. That's um, a crucial skill. Okay, already. Welcome to Gohan or Go Home, the podcast where I take uh, an absolute newbie through Toriyama's amazing perverted 512 chapter 42 volume manga. Uh, how does it feel? Feels bad, man. As always. Um, <laughs> I am Simon, touched by an Ava Monrad, and across from me is uh, Imogen Human Tang, Faith. What? Okay. It's the human instrumentality yeah. afternoon. We love I that. I didn't know that was our theme for today, but sure. We go with it. I write these things on the bus when I'm not really thinking about it. You come up with them ahead of time. I thought they were off the cuff. No, I can't remember my name off the cuff okay. if I start recording. I'll be like, hello. I'm so, we did have an episode where I said I'm Simon uh, <laughs> uh, for about 30 seconds. I thought that was just your name, but okay. Um, <laughs> Only available in three languages, but yeah. DLC is coming soon. And we have a, a guest. We have a guest, actually. It's incredible. It's crazy. I don't know how we keep on like tricking people into doing this when mm. they shouldn't, but it's uh, Jeremy uh, Thunder College Hammond. <laughs> Hey, how's it going? Uh, d- d- dialing in from uh, Australia, your your rival, your rival country. Yeah, oh, we should have known. What's up, everybody? <laughs> What's up? I was gonna say Jeremy Thundercock Hammond, and then I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a horse name, actually, like a Mister Hands. No, I'm sorry. No, what is it with you and horses? I'm just the voice of the people. I'm just telling First what the truth is. Right, horse erotica, not this. I didn't write horse erotica. You did. Don't even. Deny I, I think it. Gohan or Go Home is a horse name. Go home is. <laughs> No, go on or go home. If, if uh, uh, or is that is that what it's? Yeah. Go big yeah. or go on. Also, also a horse name. When you you, you never listen to like a horse race and yeah. it's all names like uh, like Shelbyville Slammer. <laughs> go big or go on. I think I saw um, a a photo of a horse named Gas Station Sushi once, which I think is maybe the best horse name. <laughs> and its companion diarrhea. <laughs> No, that's too short. Like, it has to be unique. You can't name two horses the same thing. There's definitely at least one other horse named Diarrhea. I have a bad case of Diarrhea. It always feels like... <laughs> it feels like the goal of a horse name is always to make the uh, the horse race commentator take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be. Oh, that actually is because they always speak so quickly. And they're coming up the mine and gas station sushi. And so, like, the whole point is to try and trip them up, right? Like, you want to just troll them. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense, actually. Yeah. I think there was someone who... Bought like four consecutive racehorses and named them all pink, like variations of it. And then had them run around, like, try not even try and win, just like paid the jockey to like run around the inside of the track so that he could try and get the commentator to say it's all pink on the inside. <laughs> uh, and it took like like $13,000 in several years before it actually happened. And then he was like, great, I did it, now what? <laughs> It was only kind of funny. Yeah, I think if you're like that rich and you're buying horses, it's like the only worthwhile use of that time. I respect commitment to the bit. I don't respect money to the bit. Yeah, I have to say. In that case, I'll I'll allow it just because I was impressed with the. the, I thought you were uh, gonna say he bought four races, like the World Series in 1917 or something like that. No, how do you buy a race? Is that can you do that? 
Uh, everybody has a price. Actually. Hey, ask Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> oh huh? my god. <laughs> ask Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> I don't got know, some wine with sense. horses in them. <laughs> This kid, this can't go anywhere. Why no. would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> just like counting the dead ends with this. Word. We're gonna name nope. like the nineteen other candidates in the Democratic race. Like it's it's um oh my god, I can't remember any of their names. Tom Steyer or something like that. Hey, how about John Hickenlooper? <laughs> what if I haven't done John Delaney? We have two Johns. Um, I don't actually think Hickenlooper's still in. Just what? I'm at, I'm pretty sure he dropped out, but I, I may be wrong about that. If he is, he's polling at a statistically negligible number at this point. I think him and Klobuchar should do the fusion dance and then become like the one centrist candidate. Yeah, I th- I think that Klobuchar and um, probably Beto. I think if if the two of them combined, they could make like the perfectly misguided person to run for president. You could stand on tables and throw combs at people. I have no idea what. Yeah, you guys exactly. Are it's a good about. vantage point to do that. We shouldn't talk about. What is things. going on? Do you f- are you following the Democratic primary? No, I like, haven't even uh, hold been. Hold on a sec. Uh, ah. Hi, Simon's mom's here. Hello. Oh, no. I've been <laughs> oh sorry. Hi. Sorry, it's my brother. He apparently turned up. Oh, <laughs> uh, what up? That's awful. Where? At our house. Nah, oh, he just uh, left. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Just let mom know. Classic. Okay, so I think we're doing the podcast without him now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, they're not going to bother us any longer. Oh, oh yeah, okay, great. Now you're done murdering your brother. Um, oh yeah, well it's 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 quite surprising, Simon, how much you know about the American primary, considering how little I know about I think anything that happens in New Zealand. Well, see, the thing is, if you don't follow the New Zealand general election, you don't have to live in fear of getting a drone strike on your house um and or being bombed that is fair yeah there is there's a higher stakes to what goes on here i suppose yeah. the american president matters but what what is the like what, what is politics in new zealand like <laughs> whoever, whoever can throw a gumboot the farthest wins the the prime ministership yeah that's how it works mm. we think that john Key okay. cheated yeah, he was roiding it up, man. He used, like... Uh, he way, got way too buff, way too fast. What he did was he used, like... Um, he stole the scrunchies from Waitress's ponytails, and then he <laughs> used them as, like, a slingshot <laughs> for the gumboot. Yeah. That was our um, former prime minister was in a scandal where it turned out that he was just sexually harassing people. Like, he was just going around pulling the ponytails of women. Like mm-hmm. a real Joe Biden kind of guy. Okay. And um, this was just before Me Too, and so nothing happened and nobody cared. Yeah, well, he got he got like a lot of a lot of jokes made about it, but it, that was about it. Yeah, it was like, like it was the source of humor. Yeah, was there a there was like a New Zealand equivalent of a Me Too? Like you did like a Kiwi too. <laughs> Everyone makes Kiwi puns, and they think they're the first. And I just no, it's fine. I Surely nobody's done pun. Kiwi too. No one's done that one yet. <laughs> That's true. Probably not that. Not that one in particular. But yeah, no, I'm not only do I not really follow politics all that much in terms of like stuff from the States. Um, I've also just been completely out of service and not on the internet for the past week. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm, I've come back and I just have no idea what's going on at all. Oh, yeah. Before we go into like, because usually we'll talk to the guest a bit about what's been going on in their life. But like you in particular actually have something to say. So why have you been out of service? I think I was at Kiwi Burn. 
which is a local New Zealand burn event. So it's like Burning Man, but instead of in a, in a desert, it's like 2,000 people on a farm. Um, in a paddock. Just in a paddock, you know, rolling in the mud. Uh, and instead also, of a man, it's an Australian man. <laughs> There's a, an Australian, Australian man, Australian yeah. Man. <laughs> we just set him on fire. We do a human sacrifice. It's another one of the... Um, Differences between us and Burning Man. It's actually the eleventh uh, principle is fuck Australians, um, <laughs> and they do. And and we, you know, do. there is a people don't know this. There is like a lesser known uh, burn event here. It's not Burning Man. It's in California, where instead of a man, they burn a uh, a statue of the god Moloch. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a, the Bohemian Club. They meet uh, once a year. Uh, is that for rich all, people? Uh, yeah, 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 it's for uh, rich people. It's for uh, like presidents and senators and Bohemian like, Grove, uh, right? Yeah, uh huh. It's the Bohemian Club meets there, yeah. And they burn a giant owl statue, and nobody knows why, really. Uh, that sounds kind of like on the scale of burn events, maybe the opposite of Kiwi Burn, considering like, <laughs> the, the, the redeeming feature of Kiwi Burn is there's no, no Silicon Valley tech billionaires like with RVs showing up. Everyone's kind of on the same level of, you know. You're all you're all mm-hmm. in, in the in the mud together. <laughs> no, I mean, given how the last like I don't know, is it a year or something like that? I've lost sort of track of time of how like the Epstein stuff has happened. I think we know kind of exactly why all the rich people go and do these secret things. It's kind of like some weird solidarity bonding thing where they just do like the most perverse kind of nonsense. Because what I mean, you'd be bored like past a certain point of power and wealth. You can't buy anything more. You can't get anybody to do anything more than, like, the average multimillionaire. You just gotta start governor. making shit up. So you have to start making up worse things to do. Yeah. yeah, at some point, the only thing that will get you off anymore is burning a giant owl statue. <laughs> I mean, if that's the extent of it, they're not being very creative. Well, it's not the extent of it. Yeah. Funny you should say that. No. Yeah, no, there's, like, a whole mock human sacrifice. That's what made me think of it. <laughs> Mmm, spicy. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool to get away for a week, I suppose, but um, I'm instead glued to Twitter in a lot of ways, I think. Yes, it was really nice, and then I came back, and everyone's, like, so excited to tell me about bad things that are happening to people that I don't know and can't help, and I'm just just so tired. you got to try and not, like, hug my clients at work and stuff. Like, my brain's still not quite right. But, you know, so I'm just having a grand old time. Or is your brain not quite right when you have to work under capitalism? Yeah, it, really makes it you sucks. So I come back, come back in and I'm like, why do we do this? Why do we I do wanna, this? I want to just bang rocks together and see what noises they make and then build furniture out of driftwood and give it to people that are like, I don't know, sh- you know. Nice. That sounds very fun. It is a very funny thing that we do, though, uh, to people when you're, like, off the grid for a while or you've, like, had a lovely vacation and you come home and everyone's like, I can't wait to tell you about every awful thing that happened. Yeah. This is a weight on my life and I cannot wait to put it on yours. Yeah. I'm unhappy. Yeah. I will send you six articles about coronavirus so that you can stress about that, too. You have the most lovely thing on a white beach. And then the moment you set foot back into town, somebody's like, Kobe Bryant and his children got killed. And you're like, oh, my God, why would you do this? Yeah. One Uh. day I'm just not going to come back. I'm just going to, like... I just gotta like. You're just gonna get out of this deadbeat town. <laughs> I'm just gonna go live in the woods and lie in the river all day until I get hungry enough to go back to my van and eat cold beans out of a can. Like. One day I'm just gonna get in my Mustang and I'm gonna drive and I'm not gonna stop driving. <laughs> yeah. There's so, not very far you could drive in New Zealand, right? Yeah, you can. You can do a loop, 
You can just do a circuit around the country until you get bored. I think after about like five hours of driving in in most directions in New Zealand, you just end up going into the ocean, so you kind of have to be careful. It's not not that great uh, of a a getaway system in terms of driving. You can drive for the rest of your life for like five days. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you could drive for the rest of your life, but you could, you could, you'd be seeing the same, same just scenery over and over again. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so what we like to do, and I can't believe I forgot to get onto this, is we like to sort of promote, I don't know, not international solidarity, but just kind of like living in the world. So I suppose like what's been going on for you in the past week, if you've been watching, listening to, reading anything new or anything kind of like crazy has kind of happened or changed or just anything like that. Well, uh, funny you should ask that. So uh, I've recently started a new podcast called Generation Loss uh, with my friend Bryn. We watch movies and we're, we're currently getting geared up uh, recording tomorrow to uh, an episode on the uh, pivotal conspiracy documentary Loose Change, uh, which was made about 9-11 in uh, 2005 it came out. And uh, on a on a whim, I just decided to reach out to Dylan Avery, the the creator of the film, uh, a- and I just wrote him an email saying like, "Hey man, would really love to chat with you for my podcast." And he actually wrote me back, and he said, "I will do it, but on the condition that we don't talk about nine eleven." <laughs> 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 so I'm gonna talk to Dylan Avery about making movies, <laughs> and I'm gonna bite my tongue for about an hour, <laughs> just trying not to talk to him about fucking 911. <laughs> uh, That's gotta be really, really hard. I think in a way, it's like getting Nixon on your podcast and then being like, "Don't talk about Watergate." Yeah. But at the same time, I totally understand because I read a couple of interviews with him and all these people, you know, he's made other stuff since Loose Change. He's made other movies and shit and he goes on like promotional tours and whatever. And these people are like, so uh, you made a new movie. It's about police brutality or whatever. He's like, yeah, you know, I think it's a really big issue. Anyway, so like, what do you think about 9-11? You think it like, uh, <laughs> you still think the same thing? The poor guy, uh... he just like can't escape this movie. <laughs> I'm sure to be fair in at least one of those cases that's just how that person greets people they're like hey how are you going what do you think about 9-11 is that not like a standard greeting in the States that's like a New York thing right (laughs) it is a very New York thing actually there is whenever you're in a group of people in New York like there is a maybe I'd say one in 20 chance that the conversation if if taking place over a long enough period of time the conversation will eventually veer to like where were you on 9-11 or like you know something like that and and actually one time uh i was in one of those conversations and i just like couldn't deal with it i was like uh just so exhausted by the very premise and i've talked about it so many times in my life that i just like made a excuse to just leave i was like oh i see uh my other friend on the other side of the bar i gotta go i gotta go i gotta go (laughs) and i walk over to the other side of the bar and then spent the rest of my night just like freaking out like do my friends think i was involved in (laughs) 9-11 i made such a shifty exit from that (laughs) where were you in 9-11 don't say the caves in afghanistan don't say the caves (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it sounds I was like you guys just walk reading around. a book. Like, do you guys just like greet each other? Like, hey, nine eleven. <laughs> hey, I'm nine eleven. Yeah. yeah, truly not an uncommon topic of conversation here, and it's been what is it, twenty twenty now? It's been nineteen years. Oh my god, We're still talking about it, folks. Big uh, thing, pivotal yeah. event, changed everything. 
<laughs> oh, for sure. Because, I mean, America had spent, like, a huge amount of time doing Imperial Ventures overseas. And it was, like, the first time since 1812 that anybody had attacked the United States and given an actual reason for people to fear something proper. Like, what people kind of don't... I think a lot of liberals don't understand about... I can't believe I'm getting serious about this. About Russia. Is that for Russians, they remember, like, within living memory, a huge number, like, millions of people being slaughtered right yeah um in the second world war and like having these horrific things happen to them and just you know like series of famines obviously while the the ussr is kind of like struggling to um get on its legs and all that sort of stuff and being attacked from the outside and all these kinds of things like all of these things are mostly within living memory and there's kind of that psyche to these people and that's something that i think like people especially people who are kind of on brainworms about like russiagate and stuff like that just don't understand that there isn't like this appetite for incredible belligerence for people who've really experienced that sort of thing whereas with america right. i think it's a lot easier to do that and to have that kind of mindset other than being you know obviously like a unipolar power and all that sort of stuff yeah People that what are what about New Zealand? Anything bad ever happened there? Yeah, so there have been two major... I mean, if you discount the sort of main settler colonial period, and we can talk about the atrocities and that, but we shouldn't, because we'll be here forever. <laughs> yeah, this um, is a Dragon Ball podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, 19th century New Zealand that. history. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was there have been two uh, terrorist attacks on New Zealand, and like that's it. One of them was the Rainbow Warrior, where French spies came in and, like, blew up and sank a Greenpeace ship in Auckland Harbour because they were mad that Greenpeace were protesting against um, the nuclear tests in Bikini Atoll and places like that. Um, and the other one was uh-huh. the Christchurch shooter, which is, you know, obviously a sort of this sort of um, act of white supremacist terrorism that happened here. Right. That's the year. one that I, yeah, that, that was uh, the one I remembered. That's the only thing I know about uh, New Zealand politics, I think, is, is the response to that being like, okay, well, we're done with uh, guns then. Sort of. They're, they're, well, there's never been like a gun culture here as well, though. So you don't have like the kind of um, leftists as well that you get in America who are like under no you know circumstances must arms be surrendered blah 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 and then quote like you know marks out of context or something like that none of nobody just cares about guns really except for people who are hunting Mm -hmm. and stuff so i think a lot of people were fine with it there's a small sliver of people who kind of love the machismo of it and that kind of stuff there are very few of them but they're hobbyists and they were kind of annoyed that it was rushed through with urgency through parliament But there's like sword guys yeah yeah morally right it's pretty uh, much like that isn't uh isn't that sword YouTuber from New Zealand? I don't know who you're talking about. I'm sorry, I don't like. Watch oh much come YouTube. on, the 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 sword YouTuber. The there's a sword. YouTuber? He like makes all these videos where he's like, "Would it be practical to have a double-edged sword?" <laughs> <laughs> That's like, and he like builds him out of wood and he like swings him. Around. He's like a fat guy though, and it's really funny because he just like doesn't look like he's in swordsman shape but he's always swinging around swords and shit and he's like you see the the double-edged sword isn't uh isn't practical that describes like 12 people i know i don't i don't know if you can be more specific than that That i don't know if any of them put it online that's like the michael Uh, Sarah video in arrested development where he like shows himself doing like star wars lightsaber stuff with a broom i think yes it's very similar to that the energy is very similar but then imagine if michael Sarah then also occasionally made videos where he's He's like, Ryan Johnson ruined Star Wars by putting this bitch in it. 
Oof. People come to me for two things. Swords and takes about Rose Tico. Yeah. Still not narrowing it down, actually. Yeah, no, that's that's just millions of people. That's like half the population. I was gonna say that sounds like um when Discovery Channel or History Channel or whatever went downhill with like channel rot and then just started doing things like who would win? A samurai or a bullet? Like <laughs> Oh dude, uh Deadliest Warrior, right? Is what you're thinking of? I think that it might be yeah. So good. They're like pirates and ninjas. They would <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like the dumbest premise for a show ever, and it's just like these two idiots swinging swords at ballistics dummies. (laughs) (laughs) But that is like an incredible show. You know, they did one where they did uh, uh, Al Qaeda versus the IRA. Oh no! No, and it was incredible. It was so damn good. You got to look it up. It's on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Is that allowed? It certainly is here. It could have been worse. It could have been like the Ulster Unionists and then just like, we're going to solve the troubles once and for all. (laughs) My dad accidentally got a tattoo of the red hand of Ulster. Um, Okay. And like, there's there's no way to say that that doesn't sound like, like, oh yeah, of course, yeah, accidentally, sure, accidentally. But he, um, this... I don't know. I don't know if you listen to Nick Cave. He's like an Australian uh, musician. He has uh, a song uh-huh. called "Red Right Hand," and then someone did a merchandise run of like a red right hand. And my dad was like, "That'd make a neat tattoo," because he's just you know having a midlife crisis <laughs> and trying to get as much ink on his skin as possible. And he just got one like on the back of his leg. And then the next uh, Next six months after that, he went to a festival in Ireland and <laughs> found oh out the hard way that it's not it's not a great um, not a great thing to have on you. Um, to the point funny. where he he ended up covering it for most of his trip with a compression bandage. Um, <laughs> but he got a lift. Uh, it was like hot, and he was trying to build festival uh, infrastructure and stuff. He got a lift on a golf cart somewhere because he was like hobbling along the side of the road um, and oh was God. like talking to this guy about you know why he had a bandage on his leg and pretending that he had like an injury and stuff he's like oh yeah you know just a bit of the old you know had muscle damage it's just just getting old as as you do and he hopped off the golf cart when he got to his destination and was walking away the other direction and then heard behind him this guy oh, hey this this man's covering up the, the red hand of Ulster <laughs> <laughs> It's like the top, oh top, but the bandages slipped down. Just the top bit of the fingers was poking out. <laughs> and the guy recognized it from that. So that's, uh, do your research before you get a tattoo. Make sure it's not a hate symbol somewhere in the world that there you are, plan to go in the next year. There are two ways you could do Your that. Dad just walking around a Buddhist temple looking at swastikas like, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be dope. You know, peace and love. <laughs> you can cover it up with foundation or you can be like the perfect centrist and get like an IRA thing. <laughs> <laughs> just the other leg. Like one on each car. You're like, both sides have great points. <laughs> I'll recommend it to him. <laughs> actually, I won't recommend it to him because he might actually do it. That kind of is the <laughs> Irish flag though because it has the green and the orange for Protestants right like mm-hmm. they were being very egalitarian about it when they designed it mm. yep yep, yep. <laughs> the white in the middle is just the so if there's anybody from Ireland out there I think centrism. I just got a hate target painted on my back yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get <laughs> shit kicked out of you for that one yeah, um, but I think if there's any story that sums up where my dad's at at the moment, it's that one. I do love that <laughs> in just trying to like cling 
desperately to power, the Conservatives, the Tories in the UK have almost single-handedly undone the Good Friday Agreement through how they've done Brexit. Like, they have brought Ireland and Northern Ireland to, like, the edge again. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, uh, we should yeah, have called the... Oh, we're very likely going to see an independent Scotland and a united Ireland in the next, like, five to seven years. Mm. Yeah, Scotland, I think, is going to be kind of difficult just for the sort of reasons that Westminster kind of holds the keys to that, but Nicola Sturgeon's definitely pushing really, really hard for it, and I think they'll, depending on what happens with uh, how things fall apart after Brexit, yeah, they might be able to pull, pull that off. Yeah. Certainly within, like, by the time of the next... Um, election which is in five years time because the fixed term parliaments act they'll be able to demand that of labor i think mm. given how much politics we're talking on the show we probably should have just like <laughs> called it tories and toriyama because they've got like it's an even split at this point yeah i'm sorry um, oh we do have a hey dragon, dragon ball, ball to get into hey Whoa. let's get into the episode <laughs> yeah. the longest yeah, intro ever I think I just said episode because my brain is fried from summer heat. Mm. <laughs> mm. Okay. Let's go to the chapters. Oh, it chapters. is summer. It's pretty toasty. <laughs> so, Fuck, what happened? What okay, happened in so the chapters? I don't remember anymore. If you're following along, we read two chapters. 18 and 19, I think. Don't quote me on it. I th- yeah, I think, yeah, it's 18 I think 19. it was that. Or that's what I read. Yeah, so I'm trying to remember what we went through because I usually do copious notes, but this time I was a very, very bad boy and <laughs> I... I shouldn't say it that way. <laughs> I was a. In, He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. I was indigent, and I. That's not what that means either. Just fucking get on with it. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I didn't make like notes. They're in Shroom Town. Then Mickey Mouse shows up in a Jaeger robot and steals the Dragon Balls off of them. Not and even close to what happens. Yeah, it is. That's we exactly open what happens. It's a field of mushrooms again, and the, all of us. in the Smurf Village. Our uh, gang of three. You know, it's like, again, Miles China, Gang of Four, but minus one. Um, That's how Matt's Rip Kobe. Um, were uh, flying along in their flying car, which as they do, they've got the fancy one from Guma or from Ox Devil King, Hoi Boy. Um, and Hoi Boy. Oolong actually finally decides to ask Bulma, hey, so we're searching for these Dragon Balls. Could you maybe, what are we searching for them for? Like, what wish are you planning on making? And then... She says openly again, I just want a boyfriend. I just want, like, there's no one will do in West City. Like, nobody is suitable to me. I need a magically created boyfriend. And first of all, get a Hitachi wand. Secondly. (laughs) Question. Uh, Simon, you're you're in deeper on on the Dragon Ball than I am, uh, I suppose. What, wasn't there a, a time when uh, Bulma was wishing for, like, a strawberry or something like that? No. <laughs> There's, like, some version of this where she's like, I want, like, a perfect strawberry. No, not at all. I, I can respect what? that, where, though. I don't, where I don't on earth did I pick that up from? Where she did, did I pick I, this up from? Because I've I've thought this for so long that there was a time where she was after a strawberry. <laughs> we'll get... Well, I'll let you know if we go through it in the rest, but I can't remember, because I can remember mostly what the wishes are through the series, and I don't remember that. Maybe in Super... There's something like that because she mm. they once it's a cinch for them to get the Dragon Balls, they just do it for dumb stuff. Right. Yes. So I think there might be a filler episode of Super where they go and do that or something like that. If it's anything, mm. it's not in the comic proper. She listed a couple of like wish pitches that she had thought through at the very start before she settled on like magic boyfriend. Um, 
but uh-huh. I don't know if a strawberry was included in them. But you know, the perfect strawberry I would did. be it would be a, a mighty fine wish, I think. Just Folks, write in, write write us an email, let us know. <laughs> yeah, write us an email. Was there a, was there a strawberry? Get in touch. I can't believe because I've been stumped on this sure as well. This. Yeah. I can't remember it. I, don't, I like I don't think so, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, this is terrible. Have you um read the comic before, by the way? No, heavens no. <laughs> oh no, yeah. This is the pure shit. This is like the heroin into your arm. That's. Ooh. No, you you've listened to enough of my show to possibly be aware of the fact that uh, Katie and I both uh, refuse to ever watch subtitled anime <laughs> exclusively because I refuse to ever. Uh, commit that much of my brain at once to anime. <laughs> yeah, admirable. I appreciate that it. Sounds like a it would con. be just a bridge entirely too far. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in Katie's case, it makes sense because like uh, it's a lot of reading and stuff at once, but like, mm. um, and it's really quick. But I don't know. I'm not sure I buy that. I think when you've made a hundred and something episodes of a show about anime i don't know if you can make that claim anymore like i'm not that into it i can like distance myself a little bit who are you to tell this man how to live his life i'm sorry (laughs) yeah no i i this is in no way a a means of distancing myself from (laughs) myself like cool or or anything like that what i what i mean to say is that at a given moment uh if I can't do two things at once, I don't want to do it. So if I'm not watching anime and also like yeah. dicking around on Twitter, it just isn't <laughs> it isn't gonna work for me. Yeah, that's that's more or less the attention span. No, yeah, actually, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and because like every show, especially in the last fifteen years, is just like the same thing, cookie cutter, like the same six shows every season. It's like you don't even have to pay yeah. attention if you actually watch it. So. That's kind of why I don't watch anymore, as I got sick of everything about it. But we're going through this, and we're doing this podcast. I think the last thing I gave, like, 100% of my attention to uh, anime-wise was uh, Yuri on Ice. That's a good one. Have you seen it? I really yeah. enjoyed it. I haven't seen it. It's really nice. It's I really like ice skating, so I watched I watched it. It's, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, the choreography is amazing. It's um I think they just rotoscoped a whole bunch of stuff. It's really sweet. Good story as well. The only thing that I know about it and that I remember is when uh, I think you guys watched it and I just remember exploding dicks, actually. What? I don't. Remember, I don't know if we watched the oh, same that show. That may have been a joke or something. I yeah, yeah, yeah. That's literally it's the not only in the show. thing I remember it's was like a riff that you made about it, not the actual show itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they uh, in Diegesis, what happens is we meet Mai for the first time. So this is like, yeah, a new character, and she's been with us for a long time. And there's a lot of like really weird time travel pedo stuff later on in Super that thankfully is not in the original comic oh, just... but she's uh she's a, an adult here or at least like a late teenager or something like that um yeah so she's also wearing like the mao uniform kind of stuff mm-hmm. and everybody in this show has this kind of theme going on it's really weird mm-hmm. um she... hey, you gotta love the uh the editor's notes in here the editor's notes in this translation on the bottom of some of these panels are very funny yeah it says like note Pilaf is a browned rice dish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like explaining the puns is a big part of Dragon Ball. But yeah, they, they, um, she radios in and says, hey, I see these three people traveling. They've got the Dragon Balls. Let's wipe them out and let's get them. And then that basically is what happens is she's like, ha, 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 ha. we've got the Dragon Balls now and their, their ship just explodes. Like they get blown up. Um, and there's some really nice compositions and stuff, but it's basically action. And then we see a mecha robot that kind of jumps up and starts, like, grabs the uh, Dragon Balls and runs away. And what's kind of interesting about this, um, 
when we first meet him at Soba, right? Mm-hmm. His name is Soba. Um, Toriyama forgets who he is and then changes his name when he comes back later. Oh, does he? Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah. So later on, he calls him Shu because it makes Shu Mai, which is a, a Chinese dish okay. together with Mai. It's, um, but at the moment, he's called Soba and he's like, we can't really see him properly, but he's a dog in a ninja outfit. Okay. I thought he was Mickey Mouse. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's like a Shiva Inu. Okay. No, wildly cute character. Yeah, and yeah, all his, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say, like, yeah, his Japanese voice actor kind of makes sense. Like, it just fits, like, everything about his character. But they, the Pilaf gang kind of get brought back in weird ways later, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, sometimes it'll just be like, hey, these guys, you liked them at first. Remember them? Enjoy this episode, too. And it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> so... He shows up in kind of like a, a bubbly round mecha robot and then steals the Dragon Balls, yoink, and then sort of runs away. And what's kind of funny about oh, it... Oh, yeah, and and fantastic panel here of uh, of um, Shu in the in the mech. Cause, uh, they're, so they're carrying the Dragon Balls in this, like, uh, suitcase, and there's this fantastic panel of him being like, all right, fuck you, I'm out of here. <laughs> the mech is, like, holding the suitcase as if he's, like... Uh, like a 1950s uh, <laughs> husband putting on his hat to like run out. Well, there I'm off to work. He's off to business, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he says, uh, I read it in the, the English because I didn't have enough time, but I've got the Japanese up. He says, Itadakizai. So he's just kind of like, you know, thanks for the meal kind of thing. Like, let's dig in. And then just grabs it. He's like, I'm going to get this, basically. <laughs> well, I'm a hit out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for it, but in the way that you say, like, thanks for the meal, he's like, yoink, yeah. grabs it. And then Goku runs after him on Kintoen because the others can't because they're not pure of heart. But what's kind of interesting about it is that Goku still doesn't understand how machines work. So he sees the empty mech because Soba has already run away with the Dragon Balls and he's like, have at thee! <laughs> and then, like, pulls out his pole and starts threatening this robot that's just like an empty yeah. mech suit. And I tries mean, to beat it up. He did start off the whole comic with trying to fight a car, so I think this is this is very continuity. Character. Continuity. The robot's good. It's good. It's well drawn. It's another nice uh, example of the of, of Toriyama being good at machines, I guess. Yeah, like he's never he never does backgrounds and settings and. Uh, stuff at the start that like is bad he kind of like cares about it at first until later at on first. oh yeah just it's even the explosions just become kind of like ink brush lines rather than like nicely Aww. sculpted clouds so i get to experience the loss of quality as well as my mind we lose that bomb <laughs> i was reading what's what i've been doing is yeah. instead of reading the chapter i read like heaps of old school interviews with him so i'm ginned up on my toriyama lore um, That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Oh, God. Um, he said, they said, do you read your fan mail? And this was in, like, I think 1994 or something like that, or 93. And he goes, um, uh, are you, like, I do. I try and read almost all of it. And they go, but what do people say to you? And he goes, well, the girls usually say, like, oh, Vegeta's so cute. And then, like, the boys are usually like, I think that you should do this with the character. Or you should bring in this kind of villain. And he's like, and when I read that, I do the exact opposite of what most people say just to piss them off. <laughs> And so he's like, people would be like, I like, I used to like your rounder style. I used to like how you put more care into stuff. And he's like, so I made everything look squarer and did things faster and messier. And you're like, what? He lives his life out of spite. Uh, I can appreciate that. He's just an absolute troll. Mm. Like making your art style, like go headlong into the kind of not caring about it. Just because people are like, I'm really sad about what's happened with this. (laughs) Power move, but also a real dick. Yeah. 
Anyway, so Goku, again, doesn't understand that the mech is not the thing that's stolen it, but he's kind of, like, trying to fence with it, and then he taps it, and it falls over, and he's like, well, it's dead. We killed it that easily. Then he comes back to them, and then they're like, so where are the Dragon Balls? And he goes, oh, they were just gone. I don't know what happened to them. And they're like, that's the entire point. That was the point in you going. That's why you did that. Mm. And he goes, it's dead, and it died easily. And they just... They can't comprehend. Because they don't... There's kind of like the two conversations thing going on. Mm. He's got sort of like a like a bell curve of intelligence over the course of Dragon Ball, doesn't he? <laughs> He's kind of like... Goku isn't really ever meant to change. Because the thing is like... And again, been reading Toriyama interviews. One thing he said is he, he doesn't like that Toya turned Goku into someone who was like dumb but superman he's like that was never what he was supposed to be he's never he doesn't actually care about people that much he doesn't have that much empathy and he's not like it's about family like he's (laughs) like he doesn't really care that much he's or as he put it the bits of poison that slip in and out of sight in the manga are missing from the anime and he just wanted him to be innocent and kind of love fighting for the sake of it and be kind of like not sociopathic about it but just kind of like not working on human morality scales Right. Yeah, so he's kind of meant to be innocent more than dumb, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think the two kind of go hand in hand. Although I do think the bell curve of intelligence is probably not the great phrase to use, <laughs> given the book of the bell curve by Charles Murray. Mm. I don't know, we've had a kind of conversation, I think, in a previous episode about um, whether <laughs> uh, the goku's particular brand of of stupidity really qualifies as innocence because i don't think he should be allowed to have that cloud i think that he should fall straight through it he's just a little murderer little murder boy yeah he's killed people and he'll do it again and he will and he'll enjoy it he's a grand old time yeah just because he doesn't necessarily know it's a bad thing doesn't mean he's a good guy yeah it's not like you can't be like Naivety is not innocence. They're not the same thing. Like, within, like, the beginning of the show, he, like, you know, whether he knows he's doing it or not, he sexually harasses Bulba. This was just hollering in the other room. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry about that. And it's a karanga as well. So that's a bit odd. Uh, Out of nowhere. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, they, like, yeah, naivety and, and innocence aren't the same thing, and Goku does bad things outright, like, immediately in the show. Like, I mean, I don't know about, you know, in, in the comic, but in the show, he, within, like, the first few episodes, is, like, touching Bulma in places that he shouldn't, yeah. like, coercing her into doing things that she doesn't want to do. He, like, you can't be, like, mentally damaged and, like, murder somebody and still ride the flying Nimbus. Like, that can't, mm. you know, th- those things don't go together. <laughs> Yeah. This is an anti-Goku podcast. <laughs> Every podcast is an anti-Goku podcast. <laughs> yeah, this uh, manga is just an incredibly dumb Breaking Bad. <laughs> I don't... I don't Breaking know. Bad is an incredibly dumb Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> With a villain protagonist, I mean, he's not a hero. Do you not know any other media that has a villain protagonist? Because no. I feel like the Dragon Ball and Breaking Bad really don't have an awful lot. I wasn't going to... Well, a lot of drugs, for starters. Yeah, okay, there is a lot They're of drugs. They're literally in a mushroom forest. This, I don't think there's mushrooms okay. in Breaking Bad, though. Oh, it doesn't matter. All, all, of the <laughs> all drugs, drugs is, is like, the same. Uh, all it's drugs like is anime bad. Sopranos. This has been brought to you by the D.A.R.E. program. I mean, yeah, it could be. <laughs> or like, um, I was going to say House of Cards, actually, but that's highly inappropriate. No, 
Kevin Spacey touching people. You know what? <laughs> I mean, uh, our hearts. Touching our hearts. Oh, yeah. That, mm. Yeah. Hmm. And so then in like a year anyway. or two, we're going to get a video of Goku uh, asking America to welcome him back. <laughs> and he's going to be holding a, uh, a conspicuous mug. Yeah. And then a week later, his accuser is going to die. Yeah, it's going to be like a little... Say, well, um, that's a normal thing to happen. <laughs> not looking into it any further. It's a dog whistle to Shinzo Abe and like the monks of Yasukuni Shrine. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a mug with the Emperor um, Hirohito on it. <laughs> like Nanking was a lie or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what Goku's gonna do. In Japan, they have this really funny thing where you have to do like super public apologies, and like the it's just they're obscene. Like they're not real. Like somebody gets done for like a public grifting scandal or something like that, or like Taro Aso again says like Koreans are dogs, you know, for the third time, and they have to do like a press conference where they're like, like that's like they're just like bowing their heads furiously, like crying. There was this guy called Nonomura Ryutaro who was an MP in the Diet who did that and he just like just was like wailing his tears streaming down he's like i'm so sorry i shouldn't have done that and this is like a thing that people do politicians do in japan his was the most extreme example so there are videos that people remixed it where he's going super saiyan <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like well i cannot you know what i'm it's like Bush! <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> the sound effect. So, <laughs> we have a comic to get through. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Stuff happens. Yeah, so, we haven't gotten very far. <laughs> Yamcha turns up. Yamcha turns up. And he can talk to women now, apparently, although it takes great effort for him to do. He's just hardcore poker facing his way through the whole interaction. Yeah, he's like, oh, my dragon balls are gone. So he has to go and say, hey, do you guys want to ride? And they go, oh, what a coincidence, running into you. And he yeah. goes, yeah, funny Fancy coincidence. seeing you again. How strange. We don't have a tracker or anything like that. I don't have anything down your bra, Bulma. And, um, As if he could get that far. We briefly obviously do like cross cutting to show like the others like uh, Silva and Maya going back to um, back to Pilaf's castle, Sleeping Princess Castle, and Yamcha and Bulma in the same frames are just like the most disgusting thing to see. Like it's not actually bad, but the faces that they make are just horrible. Mm. Like they're the most haunt oh, up teenagers it. you've ever seen. <laughs> it's the best. This is what you this is what you pay for. This is worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> Just seeing these like fantastic Bulma faces. They're so fun, every one of them. <laughs> Toriyama has such a good time drawing Bulma, you can tell. Yeah. As 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 an artist, you can tell when people just really enjoy the work they're doing. Um, and <laughs> unfortunately, he he was clearly very invested in, in these birds. Toriyama said, "Like I wanted to base Yamcha on this monk who's from Journey to the West, and I can't remember the name, but I looked it up, and they're like, oh, they're the third person attendant to someone else.' And I was like, that's a nobody. Of course, they know martial arts because it's a Chinese novel. But um, like I looked it up, and I was just like, this guy's just a monk." So Toriyama was like, I wanted to base it off this guy, but the problem was he didn't make the readers horny enough. Like, he wasn't sexy. Like, you know what was wrong with Journey to the West? It's not sexy enough. Are you sure? 
I'm, what else? Why else would he do like this guy with beautiful, luscious hair? And he's like wanting to make him a bandit, but also like really good looking and things like that. All right. And like attractive. But he makes stupid faces. Like you're supposed to be laughing at him. He's supposed to be a ridiculous character. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like, like Bulma is supposed to like every single Bulma face in, in this issue, you could like put on a T-shirt and it would sell. Like, <laughs> so funny, all of them. They're great. Just do like a little enamel pen collection, so hawking those over the internet. Yeah, but to what yeah. kinds of people would it sell is the question, I think. That's unfortunate. I think these would be like huge, like Katie would wear a shirt with, with this ball in the face. I mean, let's make merch immediately. <laughs> like, uh,. These would like be good uh, like streetwear shirts if you did like a pattern of Bulma's weird ass face like <laughs> over and over and over again on like. A <laughs> uh, I could I could uh, make some things from that with her doing like the metal hands. Yeah, yeah. very nice. Yes, the metal hands one is perfect. Actually, that might be uh, we might use that for like an anime summer thing next year or something. Oh, like that. Sure, oh that was yeah. the metal hands one. Ah, uh, this one. I didn't see that, or I wasn't paying attention. Oh, she is. Yeah. Uh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> and then she's just verbally she just, like, saying, the like, like hey. she's verbally saying, like, rubbing against you, rubbing against you. And you're like, why would you? No. <laughs> she's just, like, smooching on it. Oh, okay. And just saying smooch, smooch while she does it. Yeah. It's as, terrible. As one does. I don't know if they're on that level of familiarity yet. So we I don't know. I don't know if I ever read Yamcha as being, like, sexy or meant to be sexy. He just looks like, a, like an extra from the Final Countdown music video. Um, <laughs> he's meant to have the contrast sure. between being like an Ikea man, like a teenage heartthrob, but he's like really dumb and can't talk to women and like, you know, all this sort of stuff and mm-hmm. makes like silly faces and he's the butt of the joke. Well, I think stuff. Right. he's great because he's like, uh, he's like the teen heartthrob as viewed by an adult. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. when you're a teen, you look at the teen heartthrob and you're like, wow, like what a heartthrob. They're so hot. And then when you're an adult looking back on the media you watched as a teen and you look at teenagers and you're just like, that is an awkward teenager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, what was I thinking? <laughs> Absolutely. Which is why I quite like it. Because there's this weird thing where sometimes Toriyama seems like he's literally six years old. And then other times he's like an adult kind of commentating on teenagers and stuff and takes that view. It's really weird. What a strange man. Hey, admit it, like, the thing you said before, you're like, is he actually above seven years old? Like, I, there was an interview where somebody's like, you're kind of childish, aren't you? And he's like, ah, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> like, he sort of admits, like, yeah, that's kind of my approach to doing this sort of stuff. You have to have that mindset. And he's like, a lot of mangaka, when they get older, they can't write shonen anymore because they don't know how to have the mind or the heart of a child. Hmm. So they move on to, like, older genres like seinen. But he's like, but I don't know, I just kept on being able to do it. Maybe because he'd lived with his parents until he was like 25, but... That'll do him. I say, <laughs> living at home. Yeah, a little, a little hypocritical there, yeah. though, buddy. A little close to home. A little close to home, literally. We come back to Pilaf and Pilaf Castle and Sleeping Pilaf Castle, and he... I mean, like, obviously, like, it's kind of obvious, but if you don't know who the character is, then he's kind of like this... He presents himself almost as like this evil mastermind and kind of this overlord sort of thing and so obviously everybody speaks to him really respectfully and all of that kind of stuff but he's also just this really short little goblin mm-hmm. yeah actually if you if if you need a better description than that there's actually at the end of this issue where we read it uh there's an editor's note that says uh i know the dragon ball universe is populated by the weirdest creatures but pilaf <laughs> He's something special. <laughs> looking at him, looking at him you kind of expect that Piccolo Damio 
if that's his name, met and raped an ancestor of Krillin. Uh, <laughs> we love translating color and eyes of Piccolo, but is short like Krillin. <laughs> but he doesn't have a nose. He also has the same hobbies and goals as Piccolo. Getting the Dragon Balls and ruling the planet. Fantastic stuff. You love to see it. That's, you know, we really, that's the, wow. the culture, the fan, the fandom around Dragon Ball is just lovely, you know. Yeah, so I say. You really like it. Just, just yeah. a good old time. Impossible to understand why there are so many anime knots. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to say, I wasn't expecting this motherfucker to be blue. <laughs> that comes in the color chapter next, but yeah. he, yeah, actually. Um, but he's wearing like the little, like. You think you know someone. And then you get to the next chapter and there's a color panel and you're like, you're fucking blue? Excuse me? What color did you read him as? Mm, I, I don't know. I like pink or yellow, maybe. Pink pilaf. I don't know. I don't know what I expected. I, I didn't necessarily expect him to be a different color. I just expected him not to be blue. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. He looks uh, asphyxiated. He's still wearing the Chinese emperor, like Puyi, whatever is the last Qin emperor clothing. You know, the little tiny kid from the last emperor, whatever it is. And he's wearing like these little Chinese emperor clothes, which is really kind of funny. But he's got like on his hat, like what you'd expect a propeller hat to look like. Like, <laughs> well, Billy, I hear you've been having trouble. Like this kind of thing. But without the propeller on top. <laughs> yeah. This is very eclectic mix. Hmm. And as always, the perpetual mouse star. But anyway, they they come back, um, Mai and Soba, and they're like, "We've oh brought boy, the Mr. Dragon Ball." I just can't get my baseball out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, we do an establishing shot of this castle, which is in the in the mushroom desert with its satellite, and then our heroes have reached the castle and they're sneaking through, and they see arrows on the floor, and so being incredibly. <laughs> smart just powerful brain geniuses they decide to follow these arrows and uh they follow them and there's a dead end and then a wall comes down behind them like it's the mummy too uh the mummy returns and it's (laughs) i think it's more like the scorpion king actually (laughs) that's so immense like you can't get a higher level of dumb than that to be honest (laughs) and they lampshade it as well because my like we've we've already caught them and then pilaf is like what <laughs> well that didn't take long <laughs> and that's um yeah. so, so this sense of humor here is kind of bordering on what i find really annoying in anime yeah uh it's like just coming ever so close to breaking the fourth wall and in this next issue they go full into breaking it and i absolutely hate it <laughs> making me read it yeah yeah and Toriyama does this a lot in the early stuff. So we'll move on to um, chapter 19. But he, yeah, he, he absolutely does that. Like, he also sometimes puts an avatar of himself, which is like a little man wearing a gas mask. And it's like, what? it's him. He wears a gas mask? And, and his little avatar of himself that he draws okay. on the panels. Not in real life. So he puts himself kind of into it, but not properly. Like, it'll be like him on the side commenting on it. It's the worst wow. thing. Okay. It's so bad. But mm. um, the next one is a color chapter. And it actually, I really like the colors. I think it looks nice, this chapter. Yeah, I like it a lot. Bulma, of course, is kind of unexpectedly purple-haired, because in the anime, she's got green hair. But She already had purple hair earlier in the, the manga. Yeah, you've though. never experienced her with anything else. I don't but- know green hair, Bulma. Who is she? <laughs> 
She's only had purple hair, in my experience. But it's super weird that the anime does, like, Bulma with green hair, but then does trunks with purple hair <coughs> and follows the manga properly. It just doesn't make sense, but... Oh, my God, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> How could they do this? Well, and then later they just, like, make it blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no actually. Explanation. They're just like, his hair's blue now, actually. And then his younger version doesn't have that either. I have no idea yeah. what you guys are talking yeah. about. It, don't worry about it, but there are... Um... I feel like I need to clarify, like, this far into the podcast, I do know a lot of things. I'm generally a fairly smart person. I just don't know anything about two things, which is anime and politics. It's just nothing. <laughs> I don't know how... I don't know why yeah. I'm here. I don't know how I got here. You're gonna I gotta tell you, usually my yardstick for judging people's intelligence is how much they know about Trunks' hair color. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like every episode, I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I like, hope somebody was fired for this yeah. blunder. <laughs> so he. Um, I only know about real life and like valuable information. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry for actually being useful. Yeah. Sorry for being a productive member of society. <laughs> sorry for producing capital. Mm. I mean, no, that doesn't work. Producing value for my labor. Are you done? No, I have to commit seppuku because I've got um, marks completely wrong. Ugh, so how could you? How could I? Pilaf says, we've got them in our grasp, they're here. We've got them. And then like the little um, Japanese onomatopoeia player is like every expression that you can do for being excited about something. It's like... <laughs> it's just hype waki waki, doki doki, swa swa. <laughs> like, heart pounding. Getting excited. Like, there's a, um, a word, waku waku, which means, like, getting fired up. And you can say it. You can say, like, Goku later's like, waku waku citizen and stuff like that. Like, I'm getting, I'm getting excited. I'm getting so fired creepy. up. <laughs> um, never watched the anime. And he, um... But it's, like, really weird, because in Japanese you can do onomatopoeia where it's not, like, the sound of something that actually makes, or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just, like, the general atmosphere or feeling of excitedness, or getting fired up about something. Onomatopoeia. No. Yeah, Don't it's, worry. like, a vibe. That's it's a vibe. Mean. It's the vibe. Uh, it's the vibe of the thing you're on. <laughs> oh, it's too hot. <laughs> uh, we're gonna die. That's alright. Then there's a dumb page where they talk about, like, <laughs> fourth wall breaking jokes, which, again, you must hate. Uh, I didn't hate it that much. I was. Oh, sorry, I was. Oh yeah. Infuriating. Yeah. What an annoying joke. I absolutely <laughs> hate it. Like, because it's one thing to like do a whole like we made a dirty joke, and then one of them looks at the other one like you made a dirty joke, and like the whole like shocked back and forth thing is already kind of like a hallmark of anime that I don't particularly care for. Mm. But then to add to it that he's like. And Shonen Jump is going to be so mad at us for printing this. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> the medium Not awareness me. takes it so far in the stratosphere. Yeah. I'm on the, I'm in the boat of it's so bad it's good in this case because not only do they do that once, they then do it again in a different conversation with a different character. So they just <laughs> keep bringing it back to to fourth wall breaking. And this then point. yeah, they. And then Mai does jokes from Dr. Slump, which if you've never read it, you don't recognize. She pulls out the poop on a stick. Is that from something? That's a joke from Dr. Slump, his okay. last manga. I didn't understand what was happening there. I was just like, this is just... I didn't understand it either. I was like, is this some sort of like a Japanese pun or something that I don't understand? It's him referencing himself. He's cannibalizing off himself. And he, he expects that his readers Three. know what Dr. Slump is, <laughs> which is his, his last comic. 
because it's the one that made him famous. Did it be like me? Popular? Move, like doing a big film or something and being like, um, you don't know the story of Paula Monday? <laughs> it's just referencing it. It's like coffee, good coffee or something yeah. like that in the middle of something. Yeah. No, it, it is popular actually, or it was popular before Dragon Ball. So this was the thing that kind of shot him to fame and made him rich was Dr. Slump. Um, and when Dragon Ball first started, it wasn't as popular and it didn't sell as much or anything like that until the first tournament arc. And then suddenly like its popularity skyrocketed, but huh. he was much more well known for that. Even though in English, like, it wasn't really released, like, the anime was never really, like, came out or anything like that um, properly, and nobody really knows what it is, but everyone in Japan knows what it is. By Dragon Ball? Huh. No, Dr. Slump. Oh, Dr. Slump. Dr. I yeah. zoned out yeah. halfway through your sentence. <laughs> Does that it's make like sense? It's, tonally so different between them, you know? It, it, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's like Guy Ritchie. It's like the career of Guy Ritchie where you see him as like doing he just put out what the gentleman and then before that was Aladdin. <laughs> he directed Aladdin? Did he? Yeah, isn't that crazy? The guy who made Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels also I had what? no idea. Didn't they do that yeah. weird like King Arthur movie before that as well? Yeah, huh. What was he what? up to these days? How did he get from Lockstock to this? Aladdin? How did he get uh, money for that? Well, he was married to Madonna for a little while. <laughs> Uh, and oh, he, made, he, like, a gold big, digger. Uh, he made a BMW uh, commercial with her. It's <laughs> <laughs> so many. And that was like his big sellout move, and then everyone stopped respecting him. So he was like, "Well, if nobody respects me, I'm just going to make Aladdin." Jesus, we're going to paint Will Smith blue. <laughs> That's a movie. He made so much money. That movie made so much money. How? Did it? Who went to Who see it? Who saw that? I don't know anyone who's seen it. Absolute, just smooth-brained, like. Waste people. <laughs> waste people just crawling out of their little garbage homes. Well, everybody like yeah. just enough people go to see the toxic waste to get the Aladdin tickets. Enough people go to see every Marvel movie that they all make like over a billion dollars, mm. and that makes no sense to me. They're not like they're just artistically bereft completely. Mm-hmm. Like the most production line thing you could ever consider. When Adorno was talking about like commodity production of art and stuff, he could never have envisioned house scraping the bottom of the barrel and completely sterile something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe would have been. Um, well, personally, I think the Roto and Infinity War is really good. Really? Why might that be? <laughs> Why might the rotoscoping in particular just be really well done in that, in your just, opinion? Just, you know, some people are just really good at, like, at their jobs. I guess there was just a really talented person doing that particular <laughs> part of Infinity War. Perhaps. But let's not get into it. I feel like people are out of the loop on this one. Though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wildly out of the loop. <laughs> I, I, that was that was my job. Oh yeah, easy rotoscoping. Yeah. Well, not anymore. I used to. I did for about a year. A few different things like storyboarding okay. for. Yeah, I done some storyboarding, done some rotoscoping, and just a um, first AD job a little while ago. Just yeah. movie stuff. Mm-hmm. Just movie thing. Like, and so is that just like manually going over the footage and like and actually drawing on it, or is it like there's like tech at this point? I imagine to like do that. We use a well, we used a, a program called Silhouette, um, which is uh, it kind of varies between what you can do automatically and using um, tracking data that's collected on set to kind of mm-hmm. um, just I don't know press a few buttons and it happens. Like between that oh, like and the getting ping pong ball suits, huh? 
like oh, those uh, like the Andy Circus like ping pong ball suits. Yeah, yeah. Um, like so, you can get data from that, and it will just like kind of do it for you. It would be between that and spending like fourteen hours staring at like a grainy, blurry footage because someone like crossed the set in the background and like individually clicking around every part of their body for every single frame. Um, which so so from painless to excruciating. Mm. is uh, the the run of that job but yeah a lot of clicking a lot of looking at screens i still haven't seen mortal engines i'm sorry how could you uh, i want to see the shots that you did yeah uh, i drew i like that i drew some stuff into that movie um in the storyboards just to fill out the background and then they actually showed up in the film and i was like oh someone went and like made that thing that i drew because i thought there was a bit of blank space <laughs> it's very sweet i just did it into like a couple of hundred million dollar movie yeah Oh. But yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't done um, movies for a little while. I just work in a, a gym at the moment. Do I hear seagulls? Yeah, I'm sorry. I live near the beach. <laughs> Can you hear them? <laughs> oh, the windows open. That's mine, 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 mine. This truly is the Finding Nemo of podcasts. Yeah. So, <laughs> Do I got any conspiracy theories about Finding Nemo? Since you're on, wanting to ruin all the animated movies. What? What conspiracy theory? Does there exist? Yeah. Is there one? Is there one? What is it? I don't know. What? I, you think about it. I can't come up with it on my own. You think about it, sheeple. Think about it. No. Um, so back on track, I think, properly and briefly. They do, like, a couple of dumb jokes. There's one from um, Dr. Slump and uh, Riley Chan, and... Uh, that's what Sova is doing in the background when he goes, Keen, like, doing an airplane, because Arale runs around doing that. Oh. She's like a little yes. android that's like a seven-year-old girl. What? Yeah, what it's, an it's annoying a gag. Thing to do. Why? <laughs> so the next page, I'm sorry, we're going panel by panel or anything like that, but um, well, we'll flick through it. I think a little bit more quickly. Could you imagine if like, like Quentin Tarantino did that? <laughs> There's a like just a scene where he just like randomly throws in someone in the background, not even like relevant to anything that's going on, just being like, "Does he look like a bitch?" <laughs> and it, like not even saying it to anyone in particular, he just says it to the wall. <laughs> Just, like, it's just Sam Jackson, like in the background of all of his movies, like he's run out of roles to cast him in. Nah, and once upon just a talking time, to the ground. and once upon a time in Hollywood, he's like, "Oh, I like feet, do I?" And then he goes like completely overboard. Yeah. Actually, in terms of in terms of, uh, of of directors being self referential, maybe maybe yeah. the joke would benefit from picking another one. <laughs> <laughs> like it'd be weird if if Spielberg did it. Do you know what I mean? Isn't that what Ready Player One is? No. I don't know. I haven't seen it. It's all a lot of like, video game properties rather than things. Judgments on movies I've never watched. <laughs> yeah, capitalism art player one. I can't yeah. come up with a better joke than that. I'm sorry. Capitalism art player one. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, misusing the Iron Giant for for power, violence. For violence. What the? You can't. That's uh, that's. It hurts my feelings. That did you ever unfortunately see that movie? Oh, yes, yes. I hated every second of it. Oh, oh good, yes, thank good, you. Good. Thank you so much. It what was a, just, What an unreasonably stupid film that was. It was offensive, I think, in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, in ways that are worse, like, not, like, swearing or violence or anything like that, but, like, offensive to kind of human culture in general and, like, what humanity has created, I think. Yeah, I, I never watched it because Simon saw it and then he told me that they, they used the Iron Giant to, like... It's like a, a mech to kill people and do violence, and, and I was like, "That's that just 
on a base level just hurts my feelings so badly that and I'm it, never there's like a thousand it. things like that yeah I don't, I don't it's just divorced from its context it's like thing you know thing thing yeah remember this thing that you loved as a child let's remove it from all of the context that made you love it in the first place and just show you images of things that get a dopamine response like, and it doesn't it just makes you hate it and want to throw up mm, not a fan the other thing was as well the way he talks about it he's like you've got an iron giant which suggests it's like DLC or something like that or like a microtransaction thing like oh you bought it like an iron giant in this game it's, it's like, the sequel to We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> That's the end of my Remembering what that movie was like about. <laughs> I, I just like, I remember a lot from it, but I just can't remember exactly what we bought a the zoo. story was. It was like Sword Art Online, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready Player One. Yeah, sort of. But I know, unfortunately, I do remember it. And unfortunately, no, I remember so much of it and it's really bad. It's probably like the worst looking film film that Janusz Kaminski has made. He's like the cinematographer who always works with Spielberg. Like imagine going Um, from Schindler's List and the cinematography in that to Ready Player One. Unfortunate. Uh, Can I pause for just a second? Uh, I just got to, my cat is uh, going insane. I got to just feed him. I'll be right back. And we're back in the episode of Chaos. I'm so sorry to everybody. I think we really have to wrap it up. But, um, yeah. yeah so, we nearly do. We're yeah, it's getting pretty late here. I'm probably keeping my wife up. <laughs> so, Yamcha tells a dumb joke, and in English, it's like, what is it? Um, uh, in a manner of speaking. Oh. Yeah. He's just talking oh, about yeah. A man's home is his castle in a manner of speaking. Yeah, in a manner. Which I kind of respect that, the scanlation, because the Japanese one, you can't translate it all. It's just, um, it's, can uh, you try? <laughs> I can, but it doesn't make sense. It's uh, um, it's just something. Yeah, it's probably some something. Just like it's like an idiosyncratic like Japanese phrase about like the honor of a deer or something. <laughs> <laughs> there are actually like some phrases that are like that, but it's like it's called cool. it's a dajare, which is like an old man joke basically. And Toriyama likes to do these um, every so often. But a dad joke. They're just, yeah, they're dad jokes, basically. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, Hanakuso no Himitsu o Soto Hanakuso. Like, uh, Hanakuso is like, um, Hana is your nose and Kuso is shit. So mm-hmm. Hanakuso is snot. Your nose shit, right? Of <laughs> course, naturally. Yeah. Uh, Himitsu is secret. Mm-hmm. So like, um, uh, a snotty secret or something like that. Or like secret snot kind of thing. Like that mm-hmm. kind of feeling. Or Soto Hanakuso. Like, t- let's talk about it softly. Mm. Because they sound the same. It absolutely makes no sense. Yeah. Well, because they, they're meant to, like, sound the same, right? Like, Hanukso and Hanukso, like, they sound similar. That's literally it. They sound vaguely similar, and so he's like, oh, that's it. But that's how Dajare work. Like, Futonga mm-hmm. Futonda, my Futon flew away. It's like <laughs> one of them. Okay. And stuff like that. These are classics. So what? he's pulling them out. And then he's like, they're like, so... They just awkwardly stand there and they're like, why would you say that? He's like, we're going to die. I don't know what else to do. I just, I said it, okay? Anyway, so Pilaf decides to torment them. He comes onto a television screen, which he's helpfully installed in their brick dungeon cell in Mm -hmm. a castle. So that's helpful. Yeah, this, I mean, like going from the dinosaurs and the mechs and the this just it's, it's, I'm just accepting it just accept point. it just let it wash over you yeah, yeah. so you, the 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 most comforting thing you could do when uh, consuming Dragon Ball media is just 
disregard the rules of the world because there will be no consistency to it. There's no like overarching thing. Like there's no time period that this exists in. There's no geographic location this exists in. It just is whatever it needs to be at a given time. Absolutely. And that's kind of like, that's one of the things that I like about it is there's a certain charm to it almost that you kind of like, you don't get that a lot where these days there's a lot of like magic A is magic A and the world has got to like, everyone doesn't want story. They want plot points and they want like you know without plot holes whatever mechanics. that whatever that means and then like some the mechanics shit. like who's snoke what's his backstory yeah. like i need to know like three how does novels. the force work yeah, yeah exactly and it's kind of like there's not enough i think at least like stories that kind of disregard that and just kind of go like it's like an old style fairy tale it just happens yeah it just is it's just the it's way like of mythology the way of it the way of the world anyway. which is like another discussion about story we could have but we have to move on anyway so pilaf starts gloating as nah we've got the dragon balls we've got you by the balls um and then bulma's like just sticks her tongue out and she's like yeah we're not gonna give you our last one blah 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 mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff and starts making fun of him and then he goes pilaf says well in that case i think i'm gonna torture her and then mm, they, not quite what he says well but... he says yes yeah, maybe different between the japanese and the english but in the english version he says i'll do something perverted to you mm. yeah that's a particular kind of torture you know, is, a... which means like i'll do something etchy to you and etchy is like perverted but um it comes from right. the from the letter h which is like for hentai hmm big gross <laughs> hentai just means uh someone who's like uh, messed up or perverted in japanese okay yeah cool. it doesn't necessarily so, like in english what it means is tentacle porn yeah <laughs> Sorry. but in japanese it's, you can call somebody a hentai like i okay. can say that you are one don't say that please. i won't say that. <laughs> yeah i prefer not not to have that said yeah so he's like i'm gonna do something really perverted to you and then she gets yanked up by a robot arm i mean Hmm. Yeah. Well, not yanked up. Uh, she gets. Um, he doesn't do that. Yeah. Hmm. They, uh, sh- they pull her off away. Yeah, <laughs> you into his room. You're done. No. Okay. <laughs> and then she just pulls the fingers at her. She I did appreciate bird. that, and I real I would want that on a t-shirt. So she yeah. says the f- short yeah. version of hentai hen. She's just like you little sicko. Mm-hmm. Like this is sick. Yeah. Anyway, and then he goes. Ha, 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 well, I'm gonna do something perverted to you and they're like what's gonna happen oh my god and then he just blows her a kiss (laughs) and then he gets embarrassed about it everyone (laughs) else gets embarrassed they're like oh my god i can't believe you did that they're just like blushing and looking at the ground like oh "Oh my god and he's like don't even say all of his strength and then she's just like so what (laughs) i'm sorry is this supposed to mean something to me this is just a culture clash between some extremely uh, uptight people. Are they people? Beings? They're and all just, called yeah. human in Dragon okay. Ball. And, the, uh, and just the horniest teen in existence, I think. So yeah, you a, can't compare. There's no, no crossover there. There's just guys like, are... Yeah. I've read the sealed section of Cosmo. <laughs> I... I know how to... 15 ways to please your man. I am not impressed... <laughs> By a blowing kiss, <laughs> frankly, and they are all shocked, shocked, I tell you. And then she, this actually is a sequence that I, I genuinely found funny. Yeah. But she's like, funny. oh really? You thought that that was it? What about Puffu Puffu? What about like? And then she lists off all these things which are just made up. They're not real. <laughs> oh yeah, there, there's an editor's note that says we all know what Puff Puff means. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, at this <laughs> I point, don't. unfortunately. I have no <laughs> We had like an entire 15 minute tangent last time about Pafu Pafu and Transulong, so mm. 
Yeah, I feel like this this scans. Mm, yeah, we know. We yeah, know. we know what it is. We, we are well versed in the ways of Pafu Pafu now. But he says Ingiri uh-huh. Mongiri, which is like an old Japanese band. <laughs> she just mentions it in the middle of it. <laughs> she's just saying words. Yeah, she's just like, what if I did like a toe tickle? What if I did like a finger wangle? What if I did uh, you too? And you're like, what? <laughs> you okay? Actually, you too sounds like it could be something. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all just like, they're all thoroughly uh, scandalized by it, they're tainted yeah. by it. So then they decide to sleeping gas them because they can't handle the perversion of yeah, these two horny teens. They just put it back in the room and knock them all out. <laughs> and and that's what I did like as well. Is, um, they Once they've, they've knocked out the crew, they wander into to try and rummage through their belongings and find the Dragon Ball and Pelaf just walks in without a <laughs> gas mask and gets knocked out on the floor. He's like, ah, the sleeping gas woo. <laughs> just straight out to it. His minions are there like, oh, he didn't, he didn't have a mask on. Oh, well, whoops. And when he wakes up, it's night. All of our heroes are sealed again in that, that little chamber and the, the brick-walled part of the castle. And uh, they're about to summon the Dragon Balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, summon the Dragon. They're about to summon the Dragon's which, Balls. Which, uh, I don't know, we're never going to get there because we're never going to cover Super. But um, later on, a summon the Dragon becomes a thing. Where do you remember what it was? I was like, what? Yeah, it was uh, uh, taking a shit. Yeah. Okay, I was yeah. gonna say what kind of thing because the way you said there could be like a few things. <laughs> oh dear. Like at first I thought it was gonna be like Krillin goes out back to shoot up or something like that. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna go chase the dragon, like you know. Yeah. But no, apparently it just meant taking a shit. And it, kind of, <laughs> it becomes a joke later on, and you're like, what? <laughs> As it would, that's the only thing that's true to real life that I've heard from Dragon Ball so far. Yamcha, being beautiful but dumb, decides to try and punch the wall. Yeah. He doesn't take damage from it as well. He just punches the shit out of the wall. He's like, nope, it's too hard to punch through. It's like, you would have a broken hand, my dear. Nah, this doesn't work. Yeah, I didn't try hard enough, clearly. Well, you see, the wolf has tough bones. Oh, I see. That's what this is. Wolves are known for their tough bones. He doesn't even try and use this wolf fang first. Oh, he didn't even wolf fang first the wall. Yeah. That's Just, disappointing. But then they say, Goku, like, you're a child prodigy. You can do the Kamehameha. How yeah. about you do it here? So he goes... Where's your Mando hand Hokador? Let's do the Mando hand Hokador. Are you having a stroke? So, yes, I am. So he tries it and only makes a tiny little hole in the wall. Meanwhile, the Dragon Balls have been gathered together. But that hole is small enough for our transforming members to be yeah, able to poire and oolong. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Just tight enough for them to be able to squeeze through as bats. Mm. You know what? <laughs> you don't want to know where else Poir can go as a bat. Oh, no. Anyway. <laughs> like a bat into hell. Like a bat into hell? <laughs> yeah. That's what you'd call it. Meatloaf would be so upset. They furiously beat off into the night. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> Oolong and Poir. And at the same time, at the exact same moment, it's all framed very dramatically. Pilaf goes, ah, I summon you, dragon. And then Shenlong appears for the first time we see him. And it's just, mwah, full page, just glorious illustration. Yeah, I love really, it. Really so really we stuff. finally get to the end of the chapter and we learn that the, the dragon is in fact stored on the balls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dragons are stored, stored on the balls. <laughs> hey, we've been edging for so long. It's so good to just finally release the dragon like for it to just shoot out, you know, into the sky. Do you have any feelings on this? 
<laughs> he looks fantastic. You gotta love it. I'm so sad. That... I love the way his his arms are kind of like curled back in a way. So it's like oh, he has arms. Really great look of like he he looks like he's very relieved to be getting out of there. Yeah, finally free. He's he has a got wh- tiny little arms. <laughs> just got a little I didn't arms. even notice. I just thought he was a big snake boy. He has the T Rex from Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and that was the end of our chapter. <laughs> I think we're way over time, but... Yeah, how long was that? We had just the longest intro, you guys, just yarning about politics. Yeah, so, I'm so, sorry. So and I'm sorry to have kept you for so long, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's quite... I'm it, sorry to my wife, who is probably not sleeping. <laughs> I'm just very clearly, yeah. did you have any, like, feelings about predictions? Because it's getting oh, to the climax. Oh, I forgot that we're doing predictions. Yeah, just anything off the cuff. I, well... Clearly, with the, uh, the love interest, Bilma's not going to wish for a boyfriend. So I think that the wish is going to get wasted on some dumb shit, and then all the Dragon Balls will get scattered again. And they're like, "Fuck, we got to start from the start." So that's that's my prediction for that. Why do you think she's going to say, "I don't just need a boyfriend"? Like, I don't think she will. I think that it's like someone else will jump in, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's a fair prediction. Yeah, she'll get the she'll get the opportunity snatched away at the last moment, and then she'll get a whole other arc of collecting the balls again to realize that Yamcha is a true love. Um. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, sorry. Before we go, um, that that has been dragon predictions. Um, do you have anything that you've you've already plugged? Generation loss. But is there anything else you want to like? What are you doing in the moment? Anything to plug? Oh yeah, I mean obviously, uh, Ball Now Super, uh, my my Dragon Ball podcast, much better. But, uh, also, uh, for those listening from uh, from New Zealand, please consider breaking campaign finance laws and giving money to Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I'm planning on phone banking if I can, if I can do the time. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I did that for Momentum and uh, for Jeremy Corbyn. It was it's a good time. It's a really good time. You can do that from overseas. It doesn't break any laws. You can do it. Mm. So anybody, nobody listens to this. Anybody listening, <laughs> do it. Absolutely. No, you're right. Um, and I've been Simon Monrad. I'm S underscore Monrad Goff, G-O-U-G-H on uh, Twitter. And uh, actually don't look up anything else that I've done ever. And certainly... <laughs> you're in a bit of a precarious time for Certainly do not look up my criminal record uh, and all the sex offenders registry. Ooh. And how would you like to go out? I don't think I can top that. Um, I, don't I would think like you to should, go out with a bullet. Um, <laughs> you know, I am uh, Imogen Faith at Imogen Faith on Twitter. Um, also on Instagram. With a J. With a J. Oh, shit. Yeah. I got to remember that that's not how it's usually spelled. It's yep. I-M-O-J-E-N dot Faith, I think. Um, for most things. Sounds like Imogen, which means potato Twitter. person in Japanese. Yeah, you made me say that a bunch of times because I didn't know Japanese. I was just sitting there in like a cafe saying dumb Japanese. My name's Potato Person. My name is... Hello, yes, I am I am Potato Person. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so that and also at Club Glub Glub on Instagram, which is if you want to see some just horrible illustrations of little fish people. It's good. I contributed. It's yeah, fun. Yeah, he did one, did, uh, did, did some, some fishy peoples. Fish peoples. Anyway, this has been Gohan or Go Home. Thank you very much for listening and uh, I think it's time to get off. That's not what I meant. Kakiteono. And a very good evening. Indeed. Yeah.